0: Hi, you're listening to Notes from a Drama Watcher, a podcast about East Asian dramas. It's part recap, part review, and there will definitely be spoilers ahead. Let's go. Welcome to episode sixteen. This is your host M. In this episode, we will be talking about Imperial Coroner episodes twenty-two through twenty-five, Beloved in House episode seven, Zhou Luo Continent episodes twenty-one through twenty-five, and My Monster in Law season two episodes one and two, and also a Chinese movie called Love in the Kitchen. So we're gonna start off with Imperial Coroner, Episodes twenty three through twenty five. So Prince Jinyu is visited by his mentor, the war minister. And while there, he receives the news that Choo Choo is to be arrested, which given the time period and the amount of time it would take for news to travel back and forth, Prince Jinyu realizes that this warrant for her arrest would have been issued before any of the revelations about her family came to light. He realizes that this has to be the work of the head eunuch, and of course they have to try everything not to head back so that Choo Choo can stay out of danger. Also in these episodes, we see how basically everyone close to Prince Jinyu becomes a of his feelings for choo-choo and they all begin to try trying to offer him their advice suffice it to say some advice is worse than others and this causes him to make some misstep with choo-choo we see in episode 25 that there are some odd camera angles during the episode in the episode they find themselves they are they are still trying to find out who is making the countermit counterfeits money someone tells them that he may have some clues as to where they could find the truth they go searching and they find themselves in a cave trying to find the lair of the people making the counterfeit money And while they're in this cave, there are some very strange camera angles because something happens. They need to try to escape the cave and the camera work is very shaky for a few minutes. And this might have been done on purpose to show the precariousness of their situation. But actually, it just comes across as if the camera is about to fall or as if maybe they didn't have enough room in the space they were filming in. I mean, it is possible they could have actually been in a real cave and it wasn't just a set. But I don't think so, because the way they have it so dark in certain parts. You can tell it's just, I think it's just dark so that you can't really see around them and realize they're just on a set. So I guess that's what they were going for. It really looks shaky. So kind of going along with the camera work theme or decisions, later in that same episode, um... Prince Jin Yu and Chuchu are having a heart to heart conversation. The director or whoever chooses to do an extreme close up of their eyes, of their faces, but it winds up looking very odd because even though we're supposed to be looking into the prince's eyes, he's actually looking away. So it seems kind of odd. And actually, his eyes are, the actor's eyes are really not as expressive as the actress playing Chuchu. So it's not as heartwarming of a scene as maybe they were going for. Now, it's for, we got into a little more about. The marriage that the emperor wants between Ling Wei and the general, Prince Jin Yu's brother. And actually we see also in this episode, Prince Jin Yu's mom is still trying to stop the the wedding from occurring. And she had, remember previously she had mentioned she had tried those stall tactics where she basically was asking the advice of a, I don't know the term for it, but a kind of matchmaker someone who was supposed to say whether this is actually a good match or not and she was hoping that the person would say no or that the wedding had to be postponed to you know some future date or something but actually she hears back and the matchmaker is saying that they're a great match so you know how is she going to postpone this even more she's got to figure that out now we learn more about why they kind of mentioned this before but about why the emperor wants to marry off lang Wei to prince jinyu's brother and it's because remember lang Wei is our second female lead and he wants to marry her off because basically he's kind of afraid of her grandfather who is also a general general lang who The Emperor thinks he's up to something or he's trying to maybe consolidate power where he is. He does have a lot of followers. And so to keep him in check, that's why he wants to marry her off to Prince Yu's brother. This is kind of a political alliance to keep the Ling family and General Ling under check. Now, we do see in this episode that I think this is the first time we're actually seeing General Leng, her grandfather. And we do see him talking to some of his cohorts. And they are getting kind of nervous because Prince Jinyu had written, he asked Lang Wei to write a letter to her grandfather. He wrote the letter for her because she really doesn't, she, she has a very strained relationship with her grandfather. So she really doesn't write, write to him or anything like that. So he realizes something's odd when he receives a letter from her. And she's just like, hi, how are you doing? Not anything that she would ever write to him. So he realizes something is up. One of his cohorts right away thinks of Prince Jinyu wondering if Prince Jin-Yu is suspecting something because he's heard before about what an intelligent person Prince Jin-Yu is. So they are realizing that something is up. So these series of episodes are are interesting. As I said before, Prince Jin-Yu has realized his feelings and he's getting advice from all these people. And Chu Chu, who we really didn't. We didn't hear from her before about how she was feeling about Prince jin Yu, but we see them in these series of episodes here. Episodes 22 through 25, we see her feelings. And part of her confusion with him is that she has grown up in a family of coroners, and coroners are looked down on by the people in the village. Even though they're performing a necessary function, they're still looked down on by the people in the village they're looked down on with suspicion. They're considered to be dirty, etc. So she's grown up with that and of course would have second thoughts or, or not think that she would make a good match with a prince. So she has a lot to think about. He confesses to her. Prince Jinyu does confess to her. But she has to work on accepting that confession and those feelings because she doesn't think she's... I don't want to say she doesn't think she's worthy, but she knows how society would view... match between a prince and a coroner so the next show i'm gonna talk about is my monster-in-law season two episodes one and two my monster-in-law is actually a vietnamese bl show and i'm not sure how many episodes in total this season is supposed to be it can be found on youtube just to give a little background my monster-in-law season one came out a few years ago i'm not sure exactly when just maybe three years ago or so maybe or two or three years and it is the story of Jackie and Hong Kong And Jackie, if I recall correctly, was supposed to be from America, I think it was. So he's kind of a fish out of water in Vietnam. He says certain words wrong because he's still familiarizing himself with the language, which if he was coming into a household with a very understanding mother-in-law, maybe that would be okay. But instead he's got, as the title refers to, not a mother-in-law, he's got a monster-in-law. And that is Hong Hong kong's mom who actually in season one in the beginning does not even know that her son is i don't think they're married but is in a relationship with another man and so this of course is a complete and total shock to her and she's not the most understanding and forgiving person so there's a lot she needs to work through To try to accept Jackie. I don't know that she ever fully accepts him really. But he's trying his best to get her to accept him. Bending over backwards to to try to please her. So that you know he can be a part of the family. This all sounds very dramatic and very sad. But actually this is played as a comedy. Season one was played as a comedy. So he does go through a lot. He does go through some angst. But every episode is played very comedically. Um, I noticed in this. So let me get to season two. Season two, they've been together for three years. They now live in their own home with their adopted daughter, Tina, who's been with them for six months. And the fact that they have moved out is now another source of tension between Jackie and the mother-in-law because she feels like it's his fault that she, that her son has moved out of the house. So there's a lot of changes that have been going on. Hong Kong has just started a new job. There's tension in the job as well, because the person he is replacing apparently left and left like a whole mess there that he has to try to clean up and that the team has to try to clean up. And the head editor, you know, meets him and is kind of looking at him like I don't think this guy's going to get the job done and doesn't even want to seem to give him a chance. So there's that kind of tension going on there at home. There is tension between Jackie and Tina because she's really testing his limits. She does a lot of tantrums and things like that. And Jackie is just learning how. To be a dad, and not a dad to you know, a baby. She looks like she's about seven or eight years old, maybe. So she's throwing tantrums. She doesn't want to go to school. All these things to try to test his limits. She seems to get along with everyone else, just not with him. Not that she doesn't get along with him, but she's just trying to test the limits as you know, being part of this new family. So there's a lot going on just in these first two episodes. Again, it's, these are serious things, but it's also still played in a kind of comedic way as well the sister-in-law is back she lived with them she lives with them in season one now she doesn't live with them but she's constantly in the house because she's always asking for money she's trying to get a business going and she's not very successful at it so she's always asking for money they've got a little more money i guess because as i said hong kong has this new job Jackie is a scriptwriter, And because he's a writer and he's working from home a lot, he seems to, just from what I'm seeing in these first two episodes, be taking on a bit more of the child care, which is, you know, even more tension with, with Tina, who's trying to test his limits. In these episodes, too, we do get to see the mother-in-law. She comes to visit. As I said, she's upset because Jackie has, you know, as far as she's concerned, taken her son away. He's taken him out of the house. And she comes to visit for the first time to to their house and to meet Tina. She's never met Tina before. So while she's there, she also gets into a little thing with Jackie because she's a very outspoken, dominant kind of person. So she's kind of trying to take over telling Tina what to do. And of course, Jackie doesn't want that because he's like, I'm the dad, she should be listening to me. So then there's another source of tension between them. So if you liked season one, you're probably going to like season two. It just, it's continues that that kind of storyline in that, that same vein. The only thing I always found, I don't want to use the word odd, that I found interesting in season one was they always kept referring to Jackie as the daughter-in-law. And... I can't tell if that's a cultural thing i can't tell if this is a translation thing um i know some languages don't even have like really a distinction of gender male or female when referring to someone or when referring to a spouse so i just don't know because i don't speak vietnamese um i noticed here they also refer to him again as the daughter-in-law. So next up, we've got Love in the Kitchen. Love in the Kitchen, as I said, is a Chinese drama or a Chinese movie. It is about Ching Zan, who is a cook in the home of the Bai family. This movie, actually, you kind of jump into the middle of a story. It's very strange the way it starts. The, the synopsis on Vicky says, growing up, Qin Zan knew exactly what she wanted out of life. With big dreams and an even bigger determination, Qin Zhan had no doubt with enough hard work, she'd be able to make all of her dreams come true. Unfortunately, the realities of life made achieving her dreams next to impossible, but not even crushed dreams were enough to keep Qin Zhan down for long. Unable to make her initial dreams come true, Qin Zhan dusted off her other talents and began working as a cook for the wealthy Bai family. With a talent like hers it was only a matter of time before she caught the attention of the family heir Bai san chan a stickler for protect for perfection and a total snob he has become accustomed to having the world at his feet unfortunately for him ching san refuses to tolerate his outlandish behavior so that's only part of the summary it's actually really longer than that so Right away that summary is not correct. All of that about wanting to make her dreams come true and having even bigger determination etc cetera, etc cetera, that is not her. She is very much a doormat in this movie. She isn't really pursuing... well they don't show her pursuing her dreams in the beginning. I guess she is. They talk about her cooking. Her dream is, does not appear to be to cook. Her dream appears to be a police officer a female police officer this is a historical drama I'm not sure what year it's in but it is a historical drama so when she says this that she wants to be a female police officer of course you know people are like Yeah, right what are you talking about so she wants to do that and by San Chan I'm totally mispronouncing his name I'm sure he has a cousin living with him in the household who for some reason also decides she wants to be a police officer. The people in this movie are very silly. The cousin is extremely silly and immature. just totally looks down on Chin-Zan. I don't know why in the world she thinks she would make a good police officer. I would hope you'd be more mature than what she is. And Chin-Zan, our main female lead, has no power, no agency whatsoever. Even wanting to be a police officer is not going to work out because the cousin went and stole her application from the police agency and she's like fighting to get her application back from her and it's just this little silly almost catfight kind of thing it's I mean this, this movie has a seven point something rating on Vicky and to be honest Vicky the Vicky ratings usually are pretty generous for some of the things I've seen so if it's if this is in the sevens that tells you that there were problems with this movie San-chan apparently has feelings for her, but expresses them terribly. He treats her badly. He's just very overbearing. He's a jerk. He manhandles her a number of times in the movie and is also what I would consider very immature as well. Because what he's doing is almost like pulling pigtails. Right. But not in a good. Well, it's never in a good way pulling pigtails. But when people are little, they don't really know what they're doing. He's not little. He's an adult and he's treating her terribly and even blames her. At one point, the cousin, she's been confined to the house and she leaves. Ching Zan doesn't necessarily give her permission, but she doesn't stop her from leaving. So San Chan totally blames Ching Zan for the cousin leaving and is yelling at her and kicks her out of the house, and then is mad that she has left the house. He just is totally flip-flopping back and forth. And the funny thing, it's not meant to be funny, but the funny thing is, she leaves, you know, she's crying as she walks off, and she's having all these memories of apparently of their good romantic times together. But even in these memories she's having, he's being a jerk in like 90% of these romantic memories. This character is just not, it's not romantic. It's not. I'm sorry. This movie is actually the perfect example of why a power imbalance can be a problem. Because she in his household has no way of fighting him back. Whether it's a argument, whether it's physical, he can do whatever. And she just has no way of fighting him back. She has no power in this household. And the thing is, even when she leaves and is now running her own business apparently he still comes in as if he owns the place and she just lets him they just keep up that same dynamic that they had before even though she's no longer working for him i will be honest this is weird i'm gonna say this i have this podcast where i'm reviewing things but i rarely actually review things on vicky and i did give a rating to this movie and i didn't give it a seven (laughs) that actually would have been i consider that to be high for the quality of this movie. It was shot nicely, actually. You know, it looked nice. But the storyline was, it was not it. And it was weird the way it jumped around. You even jump into the story in the beginning. I almost wonder, I don't know this. I didn't know anything about this before I decided to watch it. I just watched it because I was waiting somewhere and it's actually a pretty short movie. But um, it almost looks like it was some episodes that were pieced together. Maybe it was a mini series somewhere. Or if not, then it's pretty choppy. It just looks like a bunch of in, in certain ways, it looks like a bunch of clips that they just put together without transitions between the things. Actually, and the spot where she's crying as she's walking off after he's kicked her out of the house. She's crying, and but her mouth is not moving. She's just kind of... So even the sound is kind of not matching. So just an odd little movie and just again just to get back to the synopsis on vicky the very last line a lighthearted romance full of laughs love in the kitchen is a 2020 romantic comedy i would not consider this lighthearted and i wouldn't say it's full of laughs even i'm gonna be talking about well intended love again even well intended love which had its gaslighting and it's like horrible moments there were some lighthearted moments in there episodes 1 through 10 were had their lighthearted moments there were no lighthearted moments in this one. So next up, we've got Do Lu Continent, episodes 21 through 25. And here, Damu has received an offer to enter into a competition since he and Tang San are considered to be very strong fighters. This is where the show begins to get into very political territory. On the surface, this is an offer to support them to enter a competition, but in between the lines, the outcome could actually affect the balance of power in Damu kingdom because there's kind of a struggle between him and his older brother brother about who's going to be the ruler. The person offering the support turns out to be the prince of a neighboring kingdom who wishes to meet with Damo in secret since Damo is a prince is also a prince but apparently not first in line of succession. I can't really tell if it goes by succession or if it's just you know whoever defeats the other becomes the king i'm not sure the place they're set to meet is chi Si city which coincidentally is is a place that Tang San has heard of where he might find information about his father or it's in connection with his father it's where the poison master told him before that he would meet him to give him more information with these few episodes the pacing slowed down quite a bit in episode 21 we had a montage of their travels through the desert as they traveled to chi Si city honestly it went on a a couple of minutes too long. In episode 22, we learn that what has happened to Tang San's former classmate, who was the one who went on the run the same time they did, when they were at their original spirit school, and... It was thought that Tang San had killed the son of the high official, but it was actually this other student. So he disappeared for several episodes. We didn't know what happened to him at all. He has reappeared again. He's become very twisted in the meantime in his travels. And he's actually joined a group of fierce competitors who have mutated spirit abilities. This group is called the Fiend Team. And actually, this is the team that Tang San is supposed to defeat so that he can find out more information from the Poison Master about his father. So those episodes were a little slow, but episode twenty really picks up when the shrek 7 as they are calling themselves have to engage in a ferocious battle with the fiend team it was actually a really nicely done battle with the shrek 7 team taking several big hits and utilizing all of the members in the fight the same way they've done in the past so they've found a good strategy that works for them and the reason i say it was you know it's a good battle is because they were really getting they looked like they were really getting hit like they were really hurting and you know they're rolling around on the ground they've got sand all over them their faces are all like bruised up i mean this looks like a real battle they didn't come up from the battle and looking perfect with the clothes perfectly you know no wrinkles and whatever they look like they were in battle so that was episode 24 and in episode 25 they make their way to the city they make their way to attempt to join the team that offered them a place. So even though these episodes, these past few episodes did have a lot of action in them, there's a lot of fighting. It's also, as I said, getting in some more political aspects of princes and different factions and political intrigue. And our student who was auditing the classes at Shrek, who is from the spirit hall, she seems to be kind of finally making her move. She, this whole time has been after Damu Bai trying to get into his memories we still don't know exactly why that is maybe just because he's a prince or maybe there's something in particular that she is after i'm curious to see how her character turns out because she's still kind of being sly and kind of going around behind their backs and doing things but she's also been traveling with them all this time studying with them all this time she doesn't participate in their battles the way that they too as uh, they do as the shrek seven but there are several times when she tries to stop Tang San from fighting and you can tell because she really she does care what happens to him in some way so she's has some feelings for these people that she's been studying with and traveling with but I don't know what form those feelings take place and if it will matter in the end because I don't know her exact original mission she might just stick to whatever her original mission is. I still hold my belief that a slightly younger audience could watch this. Even though they're having all these battles, it never really gets too bloody. And I noticed when I was watching on Wii TV, I believe it was Wii TV because I've been alternating with Vicky. I believe it was Wii TV, it has it listed as a PG 13 rating. Okay, and last but not least, Beloved Loved in House I Do episode 7. In this episode Eugene is trying to work on the order he accepted in the last episode but because he's working on it non-stop he basically turns into a zombie due to lack of sleep. He's stumbling around the office and everyone is just literally sitting there watching him knocking into things. I'm watching this and all I could think is the actor must have, must have had some seriously bruised shins after filming this episode. <laughs> I don't know how many takes it took for him to film it. Um, by the way, I wonder, is that soda a product placement? It says soda van on it and i remember i think it was in the last episode they said it was from denmark and I actually looked it up and soda van is just a way of saying soda but he keeps drinking it so i'm wondering now or are they making fun of product placements i don't know um gang and Shi chui were being their usual adorable selves in this episode although gang finally made his move in a very cute way which is very in keeping with their adorable relationship and as i'm watching I'm still feeling like that description of Shilei as an arrogant employee was, was it kind of clickbaity, maybe? I still don't think he's that arrogant. He obviously cares about people around him, even when he's trying to be cold. He spends a lot of time in this episode being introspective, especially after a co worker makes a throwaway comment that shocks him to the core because it makes him come to some realizations about himself and about his feelings towards Yu Zhen. Even his mom says certain things to him that they just have him really thinking about how he's reacting to Eugène. Now, because Eugène is going through so much mentally and physically, you know, he's, he's exhausted from the work he's trying to do, it causes sheila to have to t- to take care of him, basically. And that brings them closer together, or it appears to bring them closer together. And I'm curious in the next episode, what the reaction is going to be? Is sheila going to you know, panic at having these feelings for Yuzhen. We already know Yuzhen has some feelings for Xilay. So that's not the issue there. It's what is Xilay's reaction going to be? And how is he going to cope? Only three episodes left. I can't believe the show is finishing so soon. I wonder if there's going to be a season two. I don't know. Again, I don't know the ratings. And um, I follow a Twitter channel that, you know, posts ratings. And Beloved in House ratings are not posted because it says some of the platforms don't share their ratings. I don't know. Which platform? But let's just keep our fingers crossed that it's it's doing well. I'm really enjoying it. I find it actually kind of relaxing to watch after some of the over-the-top dramas that I've been watching recently. Although we are getting some angst in the next episode, it looks like an ex is showing up to stir the waters. Hopefully it doesn't cause too much angst, but then again, it just may be the thing that Sheila needs to you know, finalize in his head like what it is that he's feeling and to do something about it. So that's it for episode 16 of Notes from a Drama Watcher. Thanks for joining me. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter at dramawatcher6 and via email at notes at gmail.com. Thanks again. Stay safe, everyone.